Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Good morning to our podcast listeners, whether you're in Maryland or Texas or North Carolina. We're appreciating you listening as well, as well as for those of our family who are on vacation. A um, couple real quick things. Housekeeping tonight is Discovering Calvary. You can come to the class and not join the church, but you can't join the church without coming to the class. You want to come find out more about who we are? We'd love for you to come tonight at 6. If you have children that need to be watched, we need to know that this morning. If you can stop by the next step space on the way out. Um, And then the other thing I want to remind you is this Saturday night is worship. So if you show up next Sunday for worship, we're going to be, you're going to actually probably see me in the parking lot going, it was last night, because <laughs> next Sunday is our party at the park. So come this Sunday, Saturday night, everybody, we're going to pack the room out at 6.30, and then next Sunday, we want you to pick up some of these invitations and invite people to party at the park. It takes about 150 of our volunteers. We start about 8 in the morning. Um, setting up for that thing. and will be done about eight at night. So if you want to help with that at any level, whether taking out trash, painting little kids' faces, I don't know what they paint on them, but they just paint them. Uh, you can sign up for all those things out there and we need some more help. And we also need you to invite people. And that's what these cards are for. And the reason we want to continue to do that is we want people to know Jesus. This last series we did, it was called You Are Here. And the idea was as you progress in your faith, you begin to know more and more about Jesus. You begin to grow more and more into who he wants you to be. You begin to find life. Because we believe the journey of this life isn't just about when you die, you're going to go to heaven or hell. Although heaven and hell are very real. And I think that's a a very big calling card for us to understand why we need to follow Christ is to live with him forever in eternity. Forever is a long time. Can we understand that? But... God doesn't want you just to follow him for the next life. He wants you to follow him for the here and for the now. So we did this journey where we talked about spiritual formations. It's online. You can go listen to it at yourcalvary.info or calvarybc.net. And you can hear more about that as you progress in your faith. But as we're going into this next week and as we're going down the road, sometimes you might be tempted to get off path. And if I had one piece of advice to give you today, to follow up our last series, to say how to stand on firm on your journey in following Christ. It would be found in Proverbs chapter 7, beginning in verses 6 um, and continuing. Now, this is the one little caveat I'm going to give you. This is a PG kind of message. Um, not PG-13, but if you have little kids and you're a little worried about it, this is your 30 seconds to leave out of the room right now. Fair enough. I'm not going to go anywhere too bad. It's PG. Here we go. Okay, at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, and I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Crossing the street near her corner, he strolled down the road to her house. At twilight in the evening, in the dark of the night, a woman came to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and having a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, she lurks at every corner. She grabs him and kisses him. She brazenly says to him, I have made offerings, fellowship offerings, and today I fulfill my vows. So I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let's feast on each other's love. For my husband isn't home He went on a long journey. He took a bag of silver with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. So she seduces him with persistent pleading. She lures him with flattering talk. 
He follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter and like a deer bounding toward a trap until arrow pierces its liver like a bird darting into a snare. He doesn't know it will cost him his very life. This story is really a story of the seduction of sin. And here's the path I want you to see. There is a real enemy who is trying to get you off the path of following Christ. In this story, we are all the the version of the male here. We are all the ones who are being tempted to being seduced, okay? And in As we read this and and unpack this, I want you to see that there is a very real enemy. In John chapter 10, it says this, Jesus said again, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't listen to them. I am the gate. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so they may have life. And have it in abundance. You see, we're all like sheep. And it's easy to go astray. But there's a shepherd who wants to guard us and guide us and keep us on the path in the presence of being with him. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And how do you know it? You know it by having a life that is in abundance. That does not mean wealthy. That does not mean that you get to go and do whatever you want to do. Abundance means your life feels fulfilled. That your life is satisfied. Is your life fulfilled? Is your life, does you feel like your life is satisfied right now? If not, I want to challenge us that there are only two choices in life. One, lead a life that leads to destruction or lead a life that leads to life. It's kind of in the title. And if you lead a life that leads to life, then you're going to find a life that is filled with peace, love, joy, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. We've talked about this the last five weeks. You can go back and listen to it. You are here, yourcalvary.info or calvarybc.net. Okay, if you want to listen to those sermons, they're there. But here's the challenge. It's really to find a way to stay on the path. And the biggest problem is that there are people and there are persuasions who are trying to get you off the path of having life in abundance. In other words, you're going to be tempted. So this Proverbs chapter 7, we can see it in other people's lives. Proverbs chapter 7, it starts with this. Verses 6 and 7. I'm going to just go through this passage again. At the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice. And I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a man lacking sense. A young man lacking sense. Now, I was a college minister for 13 years. When you're a college minister, you see it, right? You look out, and this 18-year-old comes in. And if you're 18, I'm not trying to offend you. If you're under 18, I'm not trying to offend you, but it's just true. You're 18, you think, I am now the king or the queen of the world. I know everything. And by the time you're 22, you realize how little you know. I'm just a spoiler alert, okay? And when you're 18, you sit there and you go, I'm going to do what I want to do. Mom and dad can't make me go to church. I'm going to go to church as a sophomore. (laughs) I looked out among the lattice and saw the inexperience of the youth and saw them. You see the path that they're going on. Now, here's the reality. It's easy to see other people's destruction. Can I have a brutally honest pastor moment with you all? I see it all the time with people who go here. I'm going to step back for just a season from whatever. I'm going to just do this. And you go, I see the path. Because it's easy to see someone else's path that's leading them to a place that's not healthy. But this morning, I want us to look at this passage not through the lens of, I hope my spouse hears this message. I hope my kids hear this message. Oh, I'm going to write this down because 
so-and-so needs, she's going through a horrible time. I want the lattice that we're looking through this morning to be a mirror. And I want us to look at the, the, the real struggle that the enemy wants to get you off the path. And I want you to ask yourself, what does it look like to be seduced? I looked out the window of my house and I saw the inexperienced. The inexperienced means the unwise. It means simple. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Simple. And so if you're going to get off the path, it's because you're living a simple life, but not in a good way. So this morning, I want us to ask ourselves, start by going a little uh, Debbie Downer for a few moments. If your name's Debbie, once again, I'm not trying to be negative towards you. Um, but I want us to kind of go, okay, how do you know if you are simple? Because it's easy to see the destruction in the path of other people. It's hard sometimes to look in the mirror and see it among ourselves. So I want to give us a little chance to diagnose whether or not we're living the simple life that's leading to our destruction, okay? Um, a couple ways to know you're simple. First, how do you know you're simple? You know you're simple if your path is easy to predict. <laughs> what does that mean? Because people who give into their impulses are easy to understand. Your gut, your emotions, your desires will lead you astray every single time. It's not that those desires are bad. God gives it to them. It's that they're to be used in a way and in a right time that is to glorify God. So let's put it to you like this way. Because this passage is not ultimately just about sexual temptation, right? It's about all temptation. And so let's say that you are tempted by money. Is it wrong to, to want money? No, because that puts food on the table. And can we all agree it's good to eat? Amen? It puts a hey, thank you. We can interact. It's okay. It's good to have a roof over your head. That's not wrong. But, but the temptation sometimes is to take that natural impulse and to go down a path that leads to destruction. It's not wrong to be attracted to a person of the opposite sex, right? God gave you that desire. It's wrong if you do it in a way that isn't Christ-centered, that leads you to a marriage that glorifies God. But here's the reality. Most of the world live a simple way. They go where the heart tells them to go. I want, so therefore I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I go. And so you sit there and you go, you're easy to predict. I know where this is going. You're going on a path that leads to your destruction. Why? Because you're following the impulses of your heart and it's going to destroy you. The simple. Their path is easy to predict. The second way to you know you're simple is if you are easily led astray. And I'll give you a few sub points of how you know that you're easily led astray. You are easily led astray by your willful ignorance. Proverbs 10, 10 uh, Proverbs 7, 10, 11, and verses 22 and 23 says this. A woman came to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, having an, a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home, now in the street and now in the square. She lurks at every corner. <laughs> what happens? He follows her impulsively, like an ox going to slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap, until an arrow pierces its liver, like a bird darting into a snare. He doesn't know it will cost him his life. Now, how could he not know it will cost him his life? Willful ignorance. You know what willful ignorance is? You see the sign, but you choose to ignore it. Look back what it says there. A woman came to meet him dressed like a prostitute, having a hidden agenda. A hidden agenda. She was dressed like a prostitute. Thank you for laughing. I appreciate it. She is loud and defiant, and her feet do not stay at home. 
It's like, I know she looks like a prostitute. She walks like a prostitute. I don't know what that looks like, by the way. She's in the area where the prostitutes hang out, but surely she's not a prostitute. Oh, she's approaching me. She's asking for money. Not a prostitute. Hidden agenda does not exist. Will for ignorance does. So what's your temptation? What are you ignoring the signs of? What are the things in your life you're sitting there going, that's not bad, and then you're just walking into her trap. The simple are easily led astray by willful ignorance. Another sub-point to that one, you're easily led astray by the seduction of sin. She grabs him and kisses him. Verse 13 says, she brazenly says to him, I have made fellowship offerings. Today I've fulfilled my vows. So come, I've come to meet you, to search for you, and I found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed, my myrrhs, with myrrhs, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until morning, and let's feast on each other's love. He allowed himself to be seduced. He could have run away from her, but he didn't. He allowed himself to be in the proximity for seduction to make its pitch. My dad used to have a saying, nothing good happens after midnight. That's not true because Taco Bell is open. But <laughs> what he was saying was, right, the proximity. So you're like, Taco Bell's not good. We'll talk about that later, okay? The proximity of being where you shouldn't be is danger. He allowed himself seduction to make its pitch. And what seduction said was, I've made my fellowship offerings. Do you know what fellowship offerings are? One of two things it could mean there. One was she was saying, I'm at peace. I made some peace offerings and I have this leftover meat. Come eat of this. I'm dressed like a prostitute. I talk like a prostitute. I am on a prostitute corner. You know, nothing bad can happen. Just come eat a meal with me. Letting make its pitch. But the more likely understanding of what it means is this. I went to the temple today and asked for forgiveness for all my sins. I'm now innocent and looking for someone to get dirty with. You want to do that? You know what a sin break is? A sin break is where you sit there and go, God, I've been really good. I'm going to do this one for me. You may not cognizantly say it's a sin break, but really you practice like that. (laughs) I've been going faithfully to church every week for the last four weeks. I'm going to take the next month off. Sin break. You don't realize the path that leads is to destruction. Don't let temptation seduce you. Why? Because sin can be very, very attractive. I've perfumed the bed. I've evoked all your senses. Your heart is going to want to come to me. This isn't just a sexual temptation. It's all temptation. Temptation because sin is fun for a season. But like an ox going to slaughter, we don't realize that the arrow is going to pierce our heart and we're going to die. So don't let it make its pitch. The third way you know you're simple in that area um, is because you were led astray by a here and now attitude. Verse 19, my husband is at home. He went away on a long journey. He took a bag of silver with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. She seduces him with her persistent pleading. She lures him with her flattering talk. Full moon, it was dark. They would have known that would have been probably a few weeks, okay? I'll come back to that in a minute. He's not coming home tonight. 
It's here and now. We're going to pay for this later, but right now we don't care. We're going to go because this is going to be fun. And we're going to ask for repentance later. Repentance doesn't work that way. Because if you really want to practice repentance that way, the only way that repentance truly works, which is a grieving and a turning away from your sin, is then you got to go back and repent of not only the action, but of the very attitude of having the attitude of, I'm going to repent later. Does that make sense? Or you're like, I don't know if that makes sense. You're just adding more stuff. You're getting farther away because you're willfully saying, ha, God, I know this is going to lead to my death. I don't care. Isn't it amazing how we can see that in our kids' lives? Or in our friends' life, but sometimes we ignore it on our own? If you're so, you're living a simple life. Finally, you know you're simple if you're acting immature in your faith. Remember, simple equals inexperienced. And if you're immature in your faith, we want to help you stay on the path. And the way to stay on the path is to grow in wisdom, to grow in stature. But I also want to just remind us all right here and right now that this passage is not just about sexual temptation. It's about all our temptations and all of our sins. You see, we've all been guilty of being this guy. We've all been guilty of being simple. All like sheep have gone astray. We've all done that. We've lurked near the corner where temptation is. We've done that. We've been... But good news, you don't have to. You know what we, we do a lot? We, we quote Paul. We like to quote Paul. That's what the church in America likes to do. You quote Paul, and we talk about the thorn in our flesh. I'm going to be struggling with this sin. If you've never heard this before, then you've probably not been around church people who are trying to rationalize their sins. This thorn in my flesh. I'm living with this temptation. I can't ever get past the temptation. I'm just living with this. And we act like it's a, a banner or something. That's not what Paul was describing there, okay? You will be tempted for the rest of your life, but you don't have to be led by your temptations. Let me unpack it to you like this, okay? One of the things, this is public record. I've talked about this many times. I talk about things that I'm not currently struggling with, okay? But in the past, I've struggled with worry a lot. I'm not really going through a difficult time of worry right now. But I've really, really, really in the past struggled with worry a lot, okay? And the problem is, when we struggle with worry, we can sit there and go, I'm going to have to be a person who struggles with worry for the rest of my life. No, you don't. So this morning, I I want us to overcome the temptations. Because we understand temptation itself is not a sin. Right? So what does it look like? Proverbs 7, 24 through 27 says this. Now, son, listen to me and pay attention to the words from my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her, the temptation's ways. Don't let stray onto her path, for she has brought many down to death. Her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chamber of death. In other words, you won't have an abundant life when you continue to live lurking around the path of temptation. It's the one thing I want to tell you about staying on the path. So how do we avoid temptation? Let's get to the positive stuff. One. How do we avoid temptation? Identify your temptation. (laughs) It's pretty obvious, right? But if you don't know what you're struggling with and you don't give it a name, you can't get past it. We have a saying around here, it's the idea of replacement. In order to overcome something, you have to not just stop doing it, you have to find the opposite good. So in order to stop lying, you have to 
Wow, that was weak. Tell the truth. In order to stop lying, you have to? Okay. So anything you're still dealing with, in order to stop doing it, you have to find the opposite. So in order to stop worrying, I have to find the opposite. And I can't do that without first identifying the temptation. Then second, don't go near the path of seduction. I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense, crossing the street near her corner. He strolled down the road to her house at twilight in the evening, in the dark of the night. <laughs> we blame, I got tempted. I didn't do it. I, I, it wasn't my fault. Someone seduced me into it. Right. You know what this path, this path describes us. I saw the inexperienced, the nose telling the youth, a man lacking sense, crossing the street near her corner. Where was he? Not where he should have been. He strolled down the road toward her house. <laughs> Temptations over here. I'm just going to go take a quick look. <laughs> At twilight, in the evening, in the dark of the night. And you may not realize that, but that's four Hebrew words to describe night. Four different ones. And part of the reason that we know it wasn't a full moon is because of what she said earlier. But part of it is that last word, the dark, dead dark of the night, means that there was no moon. Because that word is only used to describe that there was no moon. But if you look at it, it's, he was there at twilight. Twilight, in that sense, means the sun was going down. I like to play golf in twilight. It's beautiful. So he was there as the sun was going down. He was there in the evening, which means the sun has just set, but there's still a hue of light. He was there in the dark of the night, which meant it was dark. And the dark of the night, that last word night, means the middle of the night. So a minimum, he was lurking by her house for five hours. Did you get it? I don't know anybody who can hang near temptation for five hours. Simple-minded. Don't go where you don't need to go. I not only worry, sometimes I, I struggled with the quantity of food I eat. And so I set a rule for myself. I wasn't going to go to buffets for a while. That's no fun. So then I found myself going to restaurants that gave larger portions. <laughs> and I had to go, okay, I'm going to go get a box. I still do this. If I, I go to this one place, they give me two. I go get a box when I order because I put stuff in the box immediately. And if I'm wise, I'd go put it in my car. But I, the temptation. And so identifying the temptation and then saying, I'm not going to go near the path of seduction helps you to understand what this looks like. So here's the way this works. Let me go back to the fear. This is Daniel Barry. I'm going to be real vulnerable with you, okay? Once again, I'm not struggling this right now, but this is Daniel Barry. And I, I'm just setting myself up for disaster because this is now going to happen. Let's say the fridge goes out of my house. Daniel Barry, when he's struggling and speaking in third person again, I don't know why he does that. Um, his, the fridge goes out in our house. Now, I have savings. I have enough savings to go buy a new fridge. But I don't want to do that. Why? Because then the savings is less. And in my mind, once the fridge goes out and I have to spend the money on the savings, then the oven's going to go out. And then the roof's going to catch on fire. I'm going to have to use the money to pay the deductible. And I have kind of a high deductible in the housing allowance, right? And then my wife's going to look at me and say, you're a horrible provider. And then my parents are going to go, what kind of son are you? And I'm going to be homeless. And some of you are going, I don't know that I want this person being my pastor anymore. <laughs> and I go, I agree. 
But what happens is that's what temptation does. It leads you down the path to your destruction. Now, what happens when the fridge goes out is I have two choices. I can sit there and go, the fridge went out. I guess I'm going to have to use some savings to buy a new fridge. And then I'm going to have to start rebuilding the savings. Or I can sit there and go, the fridge is out! What am I going to do? And you have five seconds to determine that. I've said that many times, many, many times before the stage. So hear it again. When something comes across your path, you have five seconds to determine to give it to God or it takes root. Five seconds. She walks across that path. He walks across that path. You notice he's a handsome dude. I guess. I don't know. She's a beautiful woman. Five seconds to go, yep, and I'm married. Or I want to get married someday and I don't need to look that way. Five seconds where your thoughts go away. The fridge goes out. You have five seconds to determine right then and there whether or not you're going to let it control your life. And that's nothing. But that's why you have to do the spiritual disciplines to stay on the path because then you see God's abundance. When those things happen, you go, God's faithful. So here's the statement. If you're going to write a statement down, if you're going to engrave something on the mantle of your home, here's the statement I want you to understand or take away from this morning. If you don't control your impulses, your impulses will control you. Why? Because the simple are easy to predict. I love the word impulse there because it describes the pulse of your heartbeat, you know? You have five pulses. The impulse, that moment where it says, I'm going to, you have five seconds in that moment to let the temptation lead you astray or to say it's not going to get me. Or becomes a lot more problematic. So how do you handle that? You approach that not only identifying your weakness. And not only saying okay I'm not going to go near the path of seduction. But I'm going to from the very beginning fear the consequences. You see when you fear the consequences you're you're understanding that this is going to hurt me. If I panic about the fridge going out then what good is it going to do? Is it going to help my family? Is it going to ha- no, it's going to hurt my family because my wife doesn't want to be married to a man who's sitting around going, Aah! at least not all the time. My, my kids are not going to, it's not going to benefit my kids if their dad's over in a corner in a puddle crying, rocking himself, you know? It just doesn't help. And when I start giving into fear, I don't become, more importantly, the Christ follower that God wants me to be. I don't exude peace, patience, love, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. My family doesn't get to see a little version of Christ in me. And I not only affect myself, but I bring my family down. My ultimate fear in that is is I start giving into the temptation and getting off the path and, and start going in that direction. What I'm really scared of more than anything else is God's hand going like this. Say, would God's hand come off of you? Well, not from a salvation standpoint, but I think sometimes Daniel Berry's theological opinion, I always try to give you that, right? As opposed to I can definitely prove this. My theological opinion is God's hand comes off and, because I think sometimes he lets us run into a door because he wants us to know it hurts. He doesn't want to force us to follow him. So when I fear the consequences, it makes me sit there and go, okay, I've got to do this better. 
And one of the, the most wise pieces of instruction I ever received was when I was a 23-year-old pastor. And this old pastor sat me down and said, you want to guard your ministry? Here's what you got to understand. You are susceptible to every temptation that the world has ever known. In other words, you could sin. You don't think you could be the one who's going to cheat on your spouse? You just volunteered. You don't think you're the one that could whatever? You could. And the fear that's what guards you. Is fear wrong? Is it, fear, is it wrong to fear burning your hand on the burner? No. It's wrong to let it consume your life. And so what we find is you sit there and you go, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is what guards us from being simple. Because when you do this, you fear the consequences. What you're ultimately doing is you're asking yourself. So let's unpack this. Let's, let's just do this with Daniel Barry's illustration. Okay, what am I scared of? Fear. A fear of what? Yes. <laughs> when I'm not walking with God, it's yes, right? And so the way to defeat that is to identify the temptation to sit there and go, okay, what's the opposite of that? To not go near the path of seduction of the temptation of fear. So in order to do that, I have to figure out what is the opposite of fear. And so I have to identify what temptation is doing to me. What the fear, what does fear do to me? Why do I have fear? And here's what I've ultimately found. I'm just doing this as one example. You've got to plug in your own seduction, your own temptation. This is what I find. My ultimate fear, my ultimate seduction in fear is not being in control. I want to be in control. But here's the reality. I'm not supposed to be in control. Because when I'm in control, I go the path I want to go. Remember, the simple are easy to predict. But the godly person says, I don't have to be in control. I need to give control to God. Well, what does that look like? Faith. So, God, the refrigerator broke today. I'm trusting that you will not let me um, run out of food on my table. Amen? And the worst case scenario is I might have to cut the cable bill. Uh, less sports. The worst case scenario, the true worst case scenario is I got to call mom and dad and say, hey, we're going to live with you for a few weeks until I find a job at McDonald's, working three shifts a night to pay, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm not going to starve. So I'm not going to let fear Take me off the path. That's a Daniel Berry personal example. Let me ask you, what is your seduction? Maybe some of you need to get rid of your iPhones. Go to a flip phone. They're still in style, people, trust me. Because of the seduction of social media, or the seduction of seduction, if you know what I'm saying. Well, what will people think if I'm carrying a flip phone? They'll see a person who's trying to live the right life. Who cares what they think? Some of you may need to cut whatever. I don't know. You may need to do this or that. Or, but you have to identify the temptation. You have to sit there and go, okay, I'm not going near the path of seduction. So if that means I get an old stand-up computer and put it in the kitchen and only turn it on when family's around, I'm going to do that. You follow my drift? This kid's in the room. I'm trying to be a little, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to worry I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to go here. What's your temptation? Don't go near 
that temptress. Fear what it can do to your family and fill what is longing with the things of God. That's where faith comes in. You know what I need? I need more of Jesus. So here's the beautiful picture of this. Let's say you're struggling with something. You have two options when you're struggling with something. Go that path that leads to your destruction or fill what that longing is. I want to be in control with replacing it with the longing for I'm going to give God control, which builds your faith. And then you can laugh because the temptation ultimately is what propelled you into a closer relationship with God. Y'all didn't seem very excited about that. I got kind of excited about that. The temptation is not going to defeat me. It will not. As long as I keep looking to God. Because he's the destination. So, here's what I would encourage you to do. This week, set up some boundaries. Do what Andy Stanley says. Ask what is the wise thing to do. Ask Um, Am I willing to lose everything? And really wrestle with the temptations that you have. And then figure out what I need to do to avoid those temptations. And if half the room has to get off social media this week, it'll be an answer to prayer. If if half of you, whatever, I don't know, but, but do what God asks you to do and be drawn into his presence. So what's the Monday morning application? Well, it's... We already covered it, but I'm going to cover it again. It's to identify your temptation. To go near, don't go near the path of seduction. To fear the consequences and to feel what is longing and to recognize there is a longing in your heart with the very presence of God. It's easy to look at other people's lives and see it. It's not always easy to see it in your life. And so sometimes you just got to slow down and ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I wrestled with saying this, whether or not to say this, but I, I'm going to say it and just once again to be a little vulnerable. There is a period of my life, I went about five years, where I refused to go to a swimming pool. Why? I didn't need the temptation. I don't, I don't know how you hear that when a pastor says that. I hope you hear it as, I'm in this with you. I hope you hear this as God wants you to be drawn closer to him. And you're either going to give in to your impulses and your impulses will control you or you're going to do the things of Christ. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Their temptations are their temptations. Is that fair enough? My concern is that you look in the mirror and right here, right now, ask, God, what do you want me to do? Father, would you move and breathe? Would you teach us what it means to be broken before you? And God, in this room right now, I pray For your presence to fall like rain. I pray we humble ourselves at the foot of the cross. 
Father, there's a very real enemy who right now is trying to whisper into our ears, you're not good enough. You failed. It's too late for you. No one loves you. God, I pray that we would call these out as lies from the enemy. And we would replace those lies with the truth of your word. Which is that we are sons and daughters. We have been saved and redeemed. God, I pray for the power of your love to fall down on us. God, I pray for miracles this week. Miracles of the way that we used to live versus the reality of what it means to live and walk with you. I pray your presence permeates and your peace be found. God, as we declare how good you are, remind us that we are not wearing any labels. We are no longer adulterers or liars or divorcees. We are no longer worriers or addicts. We are just sons and daughters of the King. And may we be encaptured by your love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your redemption. Amen.